You're listening to the Private Practice Workshop podcast, and I'm your host, John Clark. Let's get right into it, folks. This is a special episode during uh, a special and extraordinary time. Uh, this is the time of the COVID-19 coronavirus uh, pandemic, uh, to, um, to just call it like it is. And that means we have a lot of questions as, uh, as humans right now and also as therapists and business owners, and I want to help you answer those questions. So what happened is I put together a last-minute live Q&A call. If you're on my email list and you heard about this and maybe you even attended live, well, we had so many people register for this call that I called in my good friend Dr. Jeremy Sharp of thetestingpsychologist.com to come and help me host this call. Um, I'll tell you what we covered really quick um, in the call, in addition to answering questions of, of the people there. We talked about how to establish your priorities and create a plan right now. We talked about avoiding making short-term decisions, uh, how to consider the regulations uh, in your current area right now around quarantines and things like that. We talked about how to take your practice online quickly and smoothly talked about some telehealth best practices, a lot of insurance questions. Um, we talked about, uh, answered some financial uh, questions as well. And uh, we talked about how to build additional revenue streams during this time. And um, my goodness, we covered a lot of ground in that hour. So um, basically, I'm just going to play the Q&A call. So again, it starts with about 10 minutes of me and Jeremy going through our main kind of tips and talking points and advice. And then the rest of the time is us answering questions in somewhat of a, a logical grouping. Um, I think you're going to get a ton out of it. Uh, one thing that you can grab if you would like is we put together a uh, basically a coronavirus uh, resource list for therapists of things that we've started to compile. You can grab that uh, through the link in the show notes. Um, otherwise, stay tuned. Make sure you grab that. Uh, if you grab that resource list, it'll also put you on our email list so you can stay tuned uh, about other support that we may be offering soon. We may do another one of these Q&A calls uh, coming up soon, so you definitely don't want to miss that as things progress. But anyway, uh, the short, short of it is um, there's a lot going on and we're very much here for you. So um, uh, without further ado, let's dive in. everybody. It is that time. Let's go ahead and get started. All right, let's see here. All right, well, welcome everybody. Um, I'll introduce myself first and then I'll introduce my um, my co-host here for the day who I'm, who I'm excited to introduce. Uh, my name is John Clark. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor. Maybe I've got some LPCs in the room. Who knows? Um, I've been helping therapists since uh, 2013 uh, run their private practices. Uh, I had a solo practice in San Francisco starting in 2013. I had a group practice in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina that I sold back in April 2019. Uh, now I have a small <clears throat> uh, kind of part-time online therapy practice, and the rest of my time is spent helping therapists like you guys, and I really love what I do. And these current times have thrown us some really interesting challenges. And as a private practice um, consultant, it's been a really interesting time. And I think will continue to be a really interesting time. So 
we threw this uh, Q and a call together. Um, you know, basically I really, I just got home on Monday morning and saw kind of how things were going, saw how quickly things were changing and thought, um, let's put something together to support you guys, um, as best as possible. So, um, I'm going to bring uh, my good friend, Dr. Jeremy Sharp up. If he wants to start his video, we'll bring him on, um, uh, as kind of my co-panelist here, I just asked him last night to to help me out and pitch in on this call because we had so many signups at the last minute. Um, so I think a lot more people are going to be uh, um, are, are going to be coming in. So um, what we will do is um, uh, what we'll do is I'll in introduce Jeremy real quick, um, and then we will just get started. So um, Jeremy, you can try your video now. I just made you co-host. So Jeremy's a, is a good friend of mine. There he is. Nice. <laughs> uh, he's also a, a group practice owner out in Colorado. He owns a testing and and therapy uh, group practice out in Colorado. He's been doing it quite a while. So he's he's going through it right in the middle of it, just like a lot of you guys are, um, and and has a lot to to offer. We we don't know everything uh, by any means, and again, the situation's changing every day. So we're really just here to be helpful to you guys for about the next hour. Um, Jeremy, anything else you want to say about yourself, or just kind of introduce yourself before we dive into our our little outline here? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the co-host. I think this is an exciting opportunity to be here for therapists and other practitioners who just might need some support right now. So, yeah, like John said, I'm a, a psychologist. I've had a group practice out here in Colorado for probably the last eight, 10 years or so. And we have about 15 clinicians. We do a mix of therapy and psych testing or neuropsych testing. And I also uh, consult with other practitioners really around starting practices and building practices with psych testing as a component. So as part of that, I host the Testing Psychologist podcast. And again, like John said, just love uh, being able to support practitioners however I can in that process and looking forward to doing so here today. Cool. Um, a little introduction to the platform for you guys who are here. Um, so we're running a webinar style uh, call right now because it got so large. Um, the chat is for you all to interact with each other. The Q&A section of Zoom is for you to submit your questions for me and Jeremy. Okay, uh, my team member Laura is going to be help managing the chat. Uh, you might even see my other team member Matt Hedlund poking around there um, and maybe helping out the chat a little bit or if there's a question that maybe we can't answer uh, between Jeremy and I, maybe Matt will pitch in. Who knows? I've been known to put him on the spot every now and then. Um, let me know in the chat really quick um, uh, where you guys are from, where's your practice, and, and kind of maybe what's going on right now. Um, so get the chat started here uh, while we're at it, and then I'm just going to dive right in. Um, Jeremy and I are just going to talk for probably about five, 10 minutes here in the beginning about kind of what we see as what's going on, some things that we think you all should be thinking about. And then after five or 10 minutes, we're just going to turn it right back to you guys for questions for pretty much the rest of the hour. Um, the first thing I want to say is with what's going on right now, um, it's important to first establish your priorities and create a plan. Um, create a plan before a plan has to kind of happen to you or be forced upon you if that hasn't happened already. Um, I want you guys to think about and kind of rank out the, um, the your different priorities right now. Okay, so first and foremost, I want you all to be thinking about your health and your family's health. That is something that is, uh, in my opinion, not negotiable and something that should be at the top of your list. Okay. This should come before money or the money of your practice or even your clinicians, um, you, you know, your clinicians making money during this time. 
You should be thinking about your clinician's health, okay? Um, we might take for granted our clinicians being healthy right now, um, or even those who are still seeing clients in person, um, uh, again, are being maybe exposed to, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 people a day if they're still seeing people um, in person in their office. Uh, we also know that people who are asymptomatic can still be carrying the virus. So I think you have to think about that as well now for those of you who've got um, in-person work still happening. You have to think about your client's health, right? So you have to think about even, again, a client who potentially is sick and maybe doesn't know it, bringing the virus into your waiting room, your office, et cetera, and how that could spread. Um, obviously, you have to think about your personal finances and your business finances. You have to think about uh, making money during this time, and uh, you have to think about your business generating revenue. Um, if you're a group practitioner, you have to think about paying your staff. Um, you have to think about whether you're W-2 or a... Um, independent contractor practice. Um, and you're going to have some looking into things to do to, to figure out exactly um, what's required of you as an employer, you know, during this time. So I want you guys to think about these things. But again, maybe even just think today, like, um, what are my priorities right now? What have I been focusing the most on? And maybe where should I focus a bit just today in terms of what's going on and what I know? Um, the last thing I want people to do is make bad short-term decisions out of anxiety that are going to have long-term negative impacts. Okay. So um, if, if the coronavirus is, is impacting us, let's say for the next month, the next couple of months, I want you to zoom out for a second and think, you know, 10 years from now, when I'm looking back on this period in time, what do I want to remember about kind of how I handled that? Um, how I handled that with my clients, with my staff, um, as a leader, I want you to think about all those things and really use that to help um, make the best decisions you can. Um, keep in mind that regulations, you know, in your area could change at any moment. There's plenty of places that are already kind of on, on lockdown or um, kind of a mandatory quarantine. Um, I would just encourage you guys to th think about getting ahead of this. Okay. So, I've seen some practices, in particular group practices, even with 20 clinicians who uh, last week they transitioned everything to online therapy like that. They just got out ahead of it, right, and made that transition entirely. Other practices, I think, are doing kind of a hybrid. We're doing some uh, in-person work, but doing it carefully or with different stipulations, right? Um, so I think people are kind of all over the board right now, depending on you, your practice, who you work with, um, and what the regulations are like right now in your area. So that's, again, that is changing rapidly as well. So I just think therapists should be getting out ahead of it right now. Um, one of the first decisions that you guys need to make is about, um, are we still going to be seeing people in the office? Are we just going to do online sessions? Are we going to do kind of a hybrid? Um, that's probably the first decision to make. Maybe Jeremy, you can dive in here and maybe we can talk a little bit about how, how you're making that decision, how other you see other people making that decision. And let's touch on that for a minute. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think that it depends a lot on your practice and your population. So for us, we have this hybrid practice where, like I said, we do testing and counseling. So we have moved to telehealth only for counseling, except in um, extreme cases. And when I say extreme cases, I mean uh, vulnerable populations who may not you know, have internet access at home, who may not have a private space, but yet still need the support from counseling. So, you know, I'm leaving that up to clinicians to decide, you know, which clients need to be coming into the office because there just aren't other options. And then we have safeguards in place. But um, the other place that we're doing that is with the, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, testing appointments, which is really the only part of our practice that 
absolutely cannot go to telehealth because there's so much interaction and manipulation of materials that we're doing right there in person. Um, so that's so how we're handling it, it now. If it gets to the point where you can't be in person at all, I guess you would put the testing part of your practice on hold. Right, right. Yeah, we just had a meeting this morning with all our testing staff talking about a contingency plan and how we might reschedule folks and handle that. Yeah. Okay. And and what have you heard from other folks or even in your group or your, your Facebook group or anything like that of other practice owners in terms of their what they're doing? Yeah, it really seems to depend on area of the country. And um, honestly, you know, there's just so much variability with practice finances and, you know, who's got an emergency fund and who doesn't. Um, but overall, it seems like the folks, and this makes sense, who are in those sort of high outbreak areas are um, much more willing to transition to telehealth and cancel appointments for the next few, you know, couple weeks, three weeks, just to try and ride it out. Yeah. So everyone is making different decisions with different variables. Um, this is, this holds true no matter what we're going, whether we're going through a pandemic or not, you have to make decisions for your practice and your particular variables. So I encourage you guys to just be keeping yourselves informed as to what those variables are. Um, and again, kind of getting ready for potentially your next step if you haven't already. Um, Let's talk for a minute about uh, about tele telehealth, um, about seeing clients online. For some practitioners, they've already been doing this, or it's a part of your practice. For some, um, they are kind of scrambling to get set up with telehealth. Um, I'm just going. Obviously, this is not going to be a um, a comprehensive kind of guide um, to telehealth, but I want to start talking about um, kind of your different options, different platforms, and kind of basic things to keep in mind if you're making this switch. Um, we also have put together a uh, a resource list for for therapists um, around the coronavirus, and it includes telehealth resources business resources, things to think about with your marketing. We have a bunch of examples of practice notices that you could put on your website or send to clients. Um, so I just dropped that link here in the chat and you're welcome to share this link with, with friends, um, but you can grab that resource list there. Um, so the things uh, um, that you wanna do um, is you wanna figure out, well, what's the plan for my, my practice right now? And you wanna commit to that plan. Uh, I think you want to have a plan before you roll it out to your clients or your clinicians and you just want to stick with that plan. You don't want to kind of waver or roll out like a half plan. Um, if you've decided to go with online sessions, communicate that plan clearly to your clinicians, communicate it with your clients or they can communicate it with their clients. Um, you may even want to um, inquire um, with insurance if you're an insurance-based practice to make sure that the uh, basically the service codes um, or the code for the service location is going to be no problem um, in terms of your, your reimbursements. Um, we can talk about that in, in, in a minute or do we want to talk about that now, Jeremy? Yeah, sure. I would imagine this is going to come up in the questions. Um, people seem to have a lot of yeah. questions, but just briefly, yeah, I mean, I can say that that location code is going to change and we are a heavy insurance-based practice, so we're really digging into this. But yeah, that location code is going to change to 02 for telehealth and um, you're going to want to look at the modifier. You know, um, the vast majority of insurance panels are using that um, GT or 95 modifier. So between those two, you should be set. You just want to double check to see which one is correct for each panel. Um, I've had clients this week, uh, well, therapy uh, therapists this week who have um, who have worried, right, that um, 
that, that insurance companies have maybe not necessarily said, yes, we'll reimburse for, um, um, uh, for online sessions for telehealth. Uh, I know there was um, actually Maureen Werbach made some sort of petition for Illinois, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois to authorize it basically for therapists and that was successful. Um, so there, there's definitely been some worry um, among some practice owners about you know, um, getting reimbursed. I think at the same time, um, because we are in a bit of a, a crisis that could um, that could escalate even more over the next couple of weeks, it could get a little bit more intense the next couple of weeks. Um, do the best you can. Try to do the right thing, and ultimately, uh, we need to keep serving our clients as best we can. So I think, to some degree, um, you can stick to that as a guiding principle, right? And worry about the uh, the insurance piece uh, a bit later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. Can I, I might just jump in there and yeah, people, yeah. I'm sure there are folks out there who might disagree here, but given the circumstances, I've really kind of adopted a view of this is letter of the law or sorry, spirit of the law versus letter of the law, you know, yeah. it's that kind of time. And ultimately what we're trying to do is help our clients and, and protect ourselves at the same time. So yeah, if that means, um, uh, you know, we're giving it our best best approximation of billing and location and um, platform. We're going to talk about that. Um, That's okay right now. Like we're doing our best and I think that's okay. Let's go ahead and answer Lydia's question if we can, because I think this is an insurance question. Um, Just since it came up, she's basically said anything specific to remember for authorizations. Yeah. Yeah. So the majority of of things that I'm seeing and hearing is that the most insurance panels are just going to cover things as they would for um, in-person sessions. So any authorizations you might need to get um, for in-person sessions, you would want to do that just to be safe, but there's not going to be anything that changes specifically for most plans just to do telehealth. As far as I can tell. I mean, the same thing is always, you know, check with each of your panels, but that seems to be the way things are going, that we can just do telehealth without a, a special authorization. Cool. Um, let's see. So um, we have another question around that, uh, which is which is cool. We'll just stay on this for a minute, guys. Um, so uh, Kartika says, should we charge the same rate for telehealth sessions and the traditional in-person rate? Um, so I'm assuming she's talking about cash pay or if it's a private pay client. Thoughts, Jeremy? Uh, short answer is yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, you agree? Yep. Yeah, I don't think, uh, guys, I don't think when someone is paying for um, therapy that they're paying um, for to your, your couch. They're paying for your time right? Not for your office per se. They're paying for your time and they're, they're getting that time. I suggest you incur, you charge the same rate. Um, in normal times, I have heard of therapists charging a higher rate because it saves the clients the time and money of commuting to your office. I don't have a problem with that. But again, I think um, at least charge um, your, your current rate. At the same time, there are plenty of people right now who are offering some some sliding scale or for people who are want help around coronavirus related issues or anxieties or um, issues around OCD or things like that. There are people that are offering that sort of help um, right now, which I think is a great thing to do and aligns well with our um, our ethical kind of foundations of uh, of mental health. So that's that's obviously up to you to your discretion um, right now. But there you have it. 
Um, let's see, do we see any more insurance-based questions? Let's stay on this for a minute and then we'll get into the telehealth stuff. Um, so we answered Lydia's question. The next one, uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, Mara's question or Mara maybe. Um, I've been working toward getting off insurance the past six months to move toward private pay only in the light of developing recession, the developing recession, would you recommend staying on insurance? Well, that's a fun one. <laughs> so I'll just offer my thoughts, like generally, whether it's getting off insurance or making a move or hiring or anything, any big change, I would say table it for now and just hold the status quo because I mean, your cognitive and emotional energy is going to be tied up in dealing with whatever we're dealing with here for the next few weeks. So yeah, yeah. Put that on hold, stay with what's working and ride it out. I, I totally agree. I think that's a great guiding principle right now. You know, I was speaking with other therapists earlier today and <clears throat> they were asking, you know, well, my Google ads aren't working as well right now. Should I change it? Is it the coronavirus? You know, should I basically, should I make a bunch of changes to my website? Um, and I, I think there's a difference between kind of adapting with what's going on right now versus again, making decisions in a panic or decisions in a crisis, because these are not typical times right now. So I, I agree. The answer is, I think, keep the core elements of your practice intact, stabilize your practice right now, stabilize your caseload, focus on serving your clients, um, and take it day by day or really week by week. Um, I'm obviously not an economist, but um, uh, <laughs> you know, to to get too panicked around a recession happening is, it's just not, um, we just don't know enough right now. So I would, I would hold out there. Um, other um, questions around insurance. We saw, I saw something in the chat. Um, I think it was Gracie said, uh, Texas did not expand telehealth coverage to all insurance clients. So if you're in Texas, that's at least what's Grace, what Gracie is saying, that Texas did not expand telehealth coverage to all insurance clients. If that's true, that's, uh, that's really a bummer. Uh, but again, something to look into, even with insurance panels or um, Blue Cross, you know, authorizing it for Illinois doesn't mean they authorized it in Virginia. A lot of these insurance companies operate kind of somewhat differently in different states. They have different rates for different states or for your particular practice. Um, so again, guys, right now, um, unfortunately, you have to just do your homework. If you're the group practice owner, you have to do double homework uh, to look into these things for your practice. Um, all right. We're having fun so far, right? Light time. I'm having fun. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. I'd be overwhelmed without you. <laughs> uh, next question. Um, this is a good one for Dr. Jeremy. Gretel says, I have a, a practice that primarily does testing. Any suggestions to continue to test during the shutdown? Yeah, yeah. And then it looks like Morgan has a similar question there. So these, these yeah, let's do go together, together well. Yeah, good to see y'all. Y'all are from my <laughs> psychologist group on Facebook. Yeah. So um, I, I will say this at the top. I'm in the process. I've been trying to get in touch with someone from APA who could maybe do a, a similar Q&A just for testing because um, we are struggling with this too, how to how to do you know, the, the typical face-to-face -face stuff over telehealth. Right now, we don't have a great option for that. Um, what we are moving to in our practice is kind of a two-pronged approach. Um, we are still doing in-person testing appointments, but we're um, 
making people, you know, wash their hands and making the kids wash their hands when they come in the door, they're sanitizing, everything's wiped down. We're wiping down all those stimulus materials throughout the day. And we are just trying to, you know, stay as far away as we can while we're actually doing testing. Um, and I gave my clinicians permission to send kids or adults home if they have any suspicion of, you know, illness. Um, the other thing that we have talked about is if you have the capability in your practice to to do some of those more interview-based uh, evaluations. So I'm talking like bariatric evals or adoption evals that kind of rely more on interview and um, personality measures that you don't have to manipulate anything. Um, of course, try to expand that side. And we've even talked about um, going more to, you know, do we have to like read questionnaires to our clients over telehealth and, and help them answer those questionnaires just to keep them out of the office and, um, mm -hmm. you know, still get some of that assessment done. But yeah, there's not a perfect answer right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on and we're kind of staying on insurance for a second. Um, this is actually kind of a super bill question from Mike. Um, so for those of you, if you're um, charging private pay or you have a client that's private pay and you're providing a statement for their out-of-network reimbursement, what code should we be using since uh, we aren't concerned about certain insurance panels, right? So if you're just creating a generic super bill for your clients or let's say you're using simple practice or something like that, you might be using your EHR to generate uh, super bills. Um, this is something I've done for the past few years since I'm I only have an online practice. Um, all I do is change the um, the code for location, basically. Um, so where the service was delivered, you change it from office to uh, to telehealth. Um, I don't know the code off the top of my head. I'm sure I could find it or someone could find it. Somebody in the chat probably knows it. Um, but that, as far as I know, that's the only thing you're going to change. The other codes are, are really going to stay the same. And that code, John, um, is zero yeah. 02 for telehealth. Nailed just it. To, if anybody, yeah. <laughs> Is it a different treatment code, right? So it's 40, you know, 45 minutes therapy. Okay. No. So it's just the office the code basically. Okay. Right. Cool. All right. Um, guys, we've just got one more question here coming up about telehealth. So start adding your questions as well. And we're going to move on the, the top, move the topic here to telehealth, but we can come back to anything you'd like. Um, so um, really quick, um, I think you guys should think about um, some sort of practice notice, you know, whether that's um, uh, just on your website, a number of therapists have been doing that. We put that in the resource list that I, I linked to here. Um, a lot of people are just making a page on their site with the notice or something kind of in the footer. Um, another option is to email your list and let people know um, what's going on, what your policy is, how clients can keep getting sessions. So I think you want to think about um, uh, doing something like that. Okay. Um, and just making sure again, your, your, your team and your clients are all up to speed on what's, what's currently going on and how your practice is addressing this. Let's talk about telehealth. So, you know, if you guys are making that jump quickly, obviously the insurance piece is something you need to look into something that seems um, maybe a little shaky right now, depending on where you are or which insurance platforms um, uh, but again, that's something to kind of sort out individually. The first things you really need to think about are, you know, choosing a platform. And then I think ensuring that your clinician has a setting where they can do sessions confidentially um, and encourage your client to find, you know, settings where they can be, um, they can have some privacy as well. Obviously, we're not, we can't protect their confidentiality if they're out on the street, you know, um, having a video call with you. Uh, but it is really important that if 
I think if your clinicians are going home or wherever and doing these sessions that they don't have kids or a partner, you know, in, in the background, they don't have audio coming out of their speaker and people are in the next room or whatever it is. So you just have to remember that you're kind of bringing your clients with you um, when you are doing this uh, from your laptop. Okay. So um, obviously use some common sense, think through confidentiality if this is not something you've done before. Speaking of confidentiality, um, uh, the next thing you're going to be thinking about if you haven't already is platforms. We're going to talk through a bunch of platforms and we also threw some together in the resource list that I linked to. Um, a couple platforms right off the bat, you know, if you have something that's, that's already working, then just use that. Okay. So if you've already been using something, just use it. That's fine. If you have a, a telehealth option that's integrated into EHR, use that. That's pretty common sense, right? Simple practices. One of them, I've heard that generally it's working pretty well right now. I have heard that some people are having some connectivity issues, especially if they're not on desktop. So if they're on mobile, but not on desktop. Again, I've heard other people say simple practice has worked just fine and it is integrated already into your EHR. So if that's something you have, I figure why not use it? However, as uh, Dr. Jeremy Sharp pointed out, have a backup if the first doesn't work because there's nothing worse than a client in crisis or you're in the middle of having a, a, a moment, you know, and then the thing, the thing uh, you know, craps out. That, that has happened to me before. So have a backup. There's a couple of free options we can talk through. So doxy.me or doxy.me, that's D-O-X-Y.me uh, is a free option. Um, it's, I think it's decently reliable, but lately I've also seen some complaints. Uh, they could be overburdened right now. Um, VC is another fairly reliable free option that I've used in the past. That's V-S-E-E, V-S-E-E, uh, fairly reliable. Um, uh, again, but it's, I think with something paid, you're going to get better quality with something free. You're rolling the dice just a little bit potentially. Um, finally, Zoom, uh, which is what we're using right now. I'm a big fan of Zoom. It's more costly. Um, and if you want it to be HIPAA compliant, you need to get a special license with them um, that I saw was around 200 bucks a month. However, you could split that with another practice or with other clinicians. Um, uh, you, could, you could actually split that account with different users. The last two, and then I'll let Jeremy talk about his, um, are uh, Spruce Health. This is a company that has sponsored our, our podcast for the last while. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, they have a completely HIPAA compliant communication platform. It's very affordable. It's very secure. Whether you want to have your phone number through Spruce or just use Spruce for telehealth, um, that's a good option for you. So sprucehealth.com forward slash PPW um, will get you in there. And then um, you can get 20% off for PPW 20. This is not meant to be an ad, but it's just a resource that I know is is very airtight and I know they're taking things very seriously right now with making sure the platform is up to date and not going to cause you any problems. Jeremy, however, is using something, uh, uh, another option that I think is interesting to talk about. Yeah, I can throw this out there, although things have even changed overnight uh, since we talked last night, John. So, you know, for years we've used Regroup Connect, which is a telehealth platform that's been around for a long time. It's built on the Zoom platform, but has the HIPAA compliant overlay. Uh, but I've been hearing as of late last night and this morning, that they are hitting their capacity for new uh, practitioners. So that is... A huge bummer. So um, the default for us or the backup for us is Zoom. Um, I think, you know, Zoom is great and it's it's really geared toward hosting these huge calls with a lot of video participants. It's very stable. So if you can swing the Zoom option, I think it's a great one. And um, 
especially with kind of getting to Ashley's question, the, the idea that they're loosening the, the regulations around making sure they're HIPAA compliant, um, mm-hmm. that, that is a great option. Let's go ahead and talk about Ashley's question real quick. So again, that's not a comprehensive list of options, guys, but it's a list. Um, make, make sure that just, um, you know, if you are doing this, make sure that you have a, um, a decent, you know, a set of headphones, like iPhone headphones like this, so that it's confidential, so that it's not feeding back. Um, you don't need a fancy light or a fancy camera. I'm sitting just in front of a bright window right now. Simple stuff like that. Try to still provide a nice experience for your clients. If things are really not working well, you could do something like have a video on like this right now, like Jeremy and I, and then uh, call them on the phone, right? Or have your AirPods in or something and call them on the phone. So your audio is through the phone, which is reliable. And then your video could be through something that's maybe not quite as perfect, um, but it's still going to get the job done. So have backups, explain to your clients that, hey, um, this is, uh, you know, these systems could, could be a little wonky right now, but we're going to get through it. Okay. Um, with that being said, I do think some clients, let's say if the video is not working or maybe they're not comfortable in video, they could be comfortable with a phone session. I've had clients, uh, you know, want that before and that, that can be a good backup as well. It just depends on you and depends on the client. Okay. Um, let's talk about Ashley's question real quick. We'll stay on this idea of telehealth and platforms. So we answered Amy's question that DocSeeMe has been glitchy due to some high demand. We did offer, we did recommend other platforms like VC and Spruce, uh, those, those precisely. Uh, Ashley's question was, I read this morning that HIPAA laws have been loosened to allow for non-confidential uh, telehealth platforms such as Zoom and Skype. Any word or, or thoughts on loosening of offering telehealth across state lines? Those are kind of two different questions. So one is, you know, can I use something like Skype or FaceTime or Google Hangouts that's not HIPAA compliant? Um, and my, I, I did see that as well. I did see um, basically an announcement uh, that, that that is okay, that, um, you know, they're going to be loose about something like that right now. So I think that's fine. I think there are HIPAA compliant options, so why not use one, right? Or if you, you know, if this ends up being something you're going to use for your practice anyway, why not have like a decent option that's HIPAA compliant so you can rest easy? Now, any word or thoughts on loosening of offering telehealth across state lines? That's another question. That's a big, big, big question. Probably one that we can't answer today. Um, at least I don't really have the answers to, uh, and I haven't heard anything about that. Jeremy, anything yeah, else? I've just, you know, in skimming. I don't know how many articles and, you know, emails about this kind of stuff. I did see something about um, sort of a temporary authorization for 20 visits or fewer um, across state lines. Like if you're not licensed uh, in that particular state, don't quote me on that. It's not set in stone. I just, I know that I saw it somewhere and I'm not sure if that's every state or what, but that's something to dig into a little bit more and see what's really going on. So just to clarify, if any of you go to court over this, a good alibi is not Jeremy Sharp told me I could do it. <laughs> Please don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> or John Clark hosted a webinar and then his friend Jeremy Sharp told me he could do it. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question, guys. If someone finds that or wants to Google that right now, let's pull together our resources, put them here, you know, in the chat. Um, this is 
this is kind of what we're here for. Um, so let's let's try to figure this stuff out together. Someone could do some Googling here and maybe find an answer to that. It's a really good question. Oh my goodness, we have so many questions now. Good grief. All right, we've, we've talked about um, telehealth practices. I wanna make sure I kind of get in all my points before we just open it back up to all questions. Um, I do want to tell you guys that um, in terms of financially, it's definitely a big concern for a lot of folks. That's where a lot of the anxiety comes from. I think that's why a lot of people are maybe keeping their practices open in person longer than maybe they should in their area. Um, I know this is hard to do, but I teach every therapist to have an emergency fund of expenses plus payroll um, that, that would last so three to six months of expenses plus payroll. I know this is really hard to do, but this is literally like game time why we do this sort of thing. Um, I know it can take a while to build up that sort of fund or even build up one month of my payroll and my expenses, but this is literally um, why we have something like that. Um, again, I'm not a financial advisor, but I recommend doing the same thing for your personal finances, especially because we're all business owners. Um, you potentially have some more liabilities, some more financial risk, and you also have potential higher reward as a business owner. But I think because we have a bit more of that risk, um, think about building up that emergency fund both in your business um, and uh, on the personal side. Um, the other thing I would say is if you find yourself having some more downtime or some unexpected downtime, um, don't see it as a curse, see it as a blessing, um, see it as a, an opportunity to just kind of give into what is happening, to embrace what's happening, and maybe start to work on building some additional revenue streams that can help you in a time like this in the future, that can kind of insulate you uh, against stuff like this in the future. Um, there's a lot of different things that we talk about um, you know, in my own content around passive income, affiliate marketing, online courses, membership sites, uh, things of that nature. So I think Again, if you do find yourself, you know, quarantined, which is an intense word, but I'm quarantined right now, um, then think about using that time well. Think about using it to build um, some additional revenue streams. Um, we have uh, uh, we have basically a free kind of mini course on that on how to create your own online course. I'll drop it here in the link as well. If you find yourself with extra time or you want to get started on something like that, um, that's all I wanted to say there. Jeremy, anything else around that or should we get back into questions? Yeah, I mean, just a, a comment, I think, about the the emergency fund, the preparedness, that sort of stuff. And this is a little bit of a, a side note, but uh, I know a lot of us right now are kind of worried about the finances and what to do in our business. And I just maybe just want to give people permission to do things that you maybe said you would never do, like get a small business loan or, you know, get that credit card with a 0% interest rate or something. You know, you may never use those options, but if you don't have an emergency fund, those things can keep your business running for the next three months or so if it really all goes to catastrophe, right? So um, interest rates are really low right now. And um, I just, I just want to open that up to people, um, because I know I myself like had rules quote unquote for what I would do and not do with my business. And sometimes we've got to, got to bend those rules in the, the interest of staying afloat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, not making just short term decisions, making decisions in this situation for the bigger picture for the long term, you know, guys, we're, you're going to get through this. We're all going to get through 
through this, you will survive, your practice will survive. And so try to maintain that long-term perspective, even though it's hard for us to do and our minds are really wired to, um, to, to focus on short-term thinking. So that's really the challenge right now. Um, I am going to answer this top question here. And Donna, I think you have a similar one. Please post it in the Q&A section for me. We're talking about marketing just a little bit and marketing and also kind of communicating, let's say, with potential clients, current clients. Um, so this question says, um, I've been getting, getting a lot of clients who are laid off in the UK and are struggling to pay for therapy, even with reduced rates. Lots of people are suffering from anxiety right now. Is it better to write blogs or articles to address these issues? Or do I offer a few sessions for free for the sake of reaching out to those most in need? Um, I would just say, if you can do both, do both, right? Again, I said, like I said before, if you want to offer sliding scale or free sessions right now to people with specific kind of coronavirus related anxiety, which will probably be in the DSM next time, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> then why not do it, right? If you have those resources, if another resource you have is time, then absolutely now is the time to create, you know, specific content for your business, your blog, your YouTube channel, your podcast around dealing with this or around dealing with a crisis in general or around dealing with anxiety in the midst of, you know, uh, you know, this, this, this pandemic. Um, so yeah, I would just kind of say yes to both. I think you're on the right track. This is time to get creative guys. And that's a good example of being creative. I might uh, add to that, John, yeah. if I could, just mm -hmm. the, for those of you who want to think about doing something like that, try to be systematic about it so that you're not mm -hmm. just offering endless pro bono sessions for folks, but really kind of sit down and think, what percentage of my caseload could I do this? How long can I do this? So, you know, just be deliberate about it. Um, and uh, I think that'll help everybody, you know, and ease your anxiety a little bit. Great point. Let's talk about Donna's question really quick. Uh, she says, can you share your insights about the online therapy specialty page and Google ads recommendations during this time? Yeah. So um, if you don't, if you want to offer online therapy to, let's say new clients, um, then one thing you could do is to create a, a service page or specialty page about online therapy, um, how it helps, some of the benefits, how it's different, answering frequently asked questions about online therapy. Um, and if you want to make a push for this part of your practice, um, you could certainly run Google ads to this particular page, keeping in mind um, you'd be, you may be competing with some of these bigger monsters, not monsters, <laughs> these big companies like uh, uh, BetterHelp and, um, uh, and, you know, what is it? Talkspace, something like that. These companies that uh, have a lot of venture funding and are running ads for things like online therapy. Otherwise you might just continue to run your current ads. And again, make an announcement on your, on your site, have a big, nice, colorful banner at the top that says like due to coronavirus, we're offering online sessions, click here to get started. Uh, something like that. I think that's a decent way to do it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I, I don't know if there are specific keywords being searched around things like coronavirus anxiety, coronavirus therapy. There very well may be. If you guys want to integrate that in your marketing right now, go for it. Again, I can't vouch for that right now, but certainly something you could look into. Uh, look at Google's keyword planner or ask your marketing person to look into it a little bit if you want to make a particular marketing push around it. Otherwise, again, you can think about your warm audience um, meaning your email list, people who like your Facebook business page, et cetera. And you could reach out to those people and let them know how you're altering your services right now. Good. Cool. 
Um, man, I don't even know where to start now. <laughs> um, let's just start at the top. Uh, Beverly says, um, North Carolina has been late in allowing LPCs to do telehealth. We are a discipline that Medicaid is not allowed to see individuals through telehealth. They have only allowed LCSWs to do so. What can be done to advocate at this time? I don't know. I guess I'd be surprised if, if, you know, if you want to try to get that approved with Medicaid, that they would be making that change right now in the middle of everything going on. Um, I could be wrong. Ashley in the comments says, write your senators, uh, Beverly. Sounds like a decent idea. I, I don't really know. And again, I don't know if you're going to get something changed right now, but certainly you could reference this event in your case and, and making a case and saying, listen, in a time like this, you need LPCs, LCSWs, clinical psychologists to be able to serve clients on tele, telehealth. That's, that's all I can think of here. I might, um, you know, we mentioned Maureen and her petition in Illinois earlier. Uh, again, no guarantees, but if you can mm-hmm. start something like that, you have the time and the energy to push that through, uh, you can always give it a try. Uh, the other component is I know in a lot of states, Medicaid allows incident to billing through a supervisor. So if you need some, I'd, this is just off the top of my head. If you have an arrangement where you can do, you know, uh, where you're being quote unquote supervised by an LCSW or someone who can bill for telehealth, that may be a little workaround to be able to do it yourself. Great point. Um, we have a little positivity coming from Sharon. Sharon, I appreciate I appreciate you and this positivity because this is really interesting, guys. And this is also reflects that how how different things are in different places around the country and around the world right now, in different countries, um, but even different parts of the U.S. She says um, some peace of mind right now regarding the anxiety around income for us and clients. She says we're under quarantine here in L.A. They've put in place a, a moratorium on all of evictions. Utilities will not be turned off. Everyone will have a six-month window to pay rent and mortgages. Um, she says, I've shared this with clients who weren't aware, and it really helps. I imagine other cities will follow suit. Right. So that's the government taking action um, and really understanding that this is causing uh, you know, dis- distress, uh, hardship for a lot of people. And again, it, it could be starting to get a bit worse in the U.S. over the next couple of weeks. So um, right now, it's just really, it's good to see that, right? Good to see the government stepping up in different, different places. So that, I appreciate that, Sharon. That's super helpful. And on that note, Ben says, positive news, news number two, I can sleep in more often now. Hey, why not? <laughs> Get the extra sleep because we're going to have a lot of work to do when we're all back at it. <laughs> all right. Um, Let's get uh, to the next question. Anonymous says, um, how would you handle outstanding therapy fees from sliding scale clients at this time? And would you consider, would you continue seeing them at their already lowered frequency? That's an interesting one. Sure is. Thoughts, Jeremy? Mm, I like how you kicked the hard question to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see. What are my thoughts on that? Um, I, so... Personally, I would be inclined to maybe relax the the collections process for folks right now at this moment. Um, but I always kind of default to uh, setting realistic expectations. So if you're going to do that, message your clients who maybe are in this position and say, we're going to relax our collections process right now. Um, but here's the plan moving forward. And here's when you can expect for that to resume. Um, yeah. And continuing to see them, um, 
I think as long as it was uh, ethical and you were meeting their needs uh, within reason to, to lower that frequency to sort of protect yourself financially is fine. Yeah. Those are just my thoughts though. Good question. Let's go to Lori. She says, um, for those of you that are private pay, have you noticed a decrease in clients slash hours due to people losing work um, slash income due to the virus? Uh, again, I have a small online practice that's all private pay. I would say right now, no, I haven't really noticed that decline. If that decline happens, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not going to freak out about it. Um, the two things I said, I think yesterday um, to someone was um, right now, even this week has been very busy for me because number one, uh, client therapy clients want help right now. Um, and at least uh, a number of my clients haven't started to worry about the money of it. And number two, therapists and private practice want help right now. So I, I've been quite busy again. So even if you see a dip um, due to that economic kind of hardship, um, I think it will be temporary. <clears throat> um, let's go. All right, cool. We're getting a little bit better here with the questions. Um, let's go to uh, Mara's questions. Uh, she's got two. Number one, can you let insurance companies know you only accept telehealth clients or is this something you communicate directly to an inquiring client? Good question. Mm. Um, my thought is right now, no, um, you, you can't really limit your insurance clients, um, to the, to the panel anyway. Um, but this, again, who knows, this could be changing. It's always worth a phone call to a provider so rep to check out. She's asking, can you let insur an insurance panel know that you're only taking telehealth clients? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, was that not the question I was answering? Well, the, was. not that she wouldn't accept clients from a particular panel right now, but that she everything she's doing is telehealth, I guess. Right, right. Sorry, I was being unclear in my answer. I still think the answer is um, is no, as far as I know, but it mm -hmm. doesn't hurt to to call and ask and let them know. Um, as I think through this, though, those of us on insurance panels, we can call and say we're not accepting new clients. Right, so that was my thought. Yeah, so that actually might might open up as a possibility to to let them know that you're only doing telehealth. Mm -hmm. And I think the next part of the question, you can definitely communicate that with an inquiring client. In fact, we're in that process right now with anyone who has a, an intake over the next few weeks. Yeah. Good question. Uh, the second question um, is, is it okay for clients to email intake paperwork back? How do you feel about emails between therapists and client in general? Um, <laughs> I, I can answer this one. I mean, this isn't really a... a a coronavirus question, so to speak, but that's fine. Um, it depends on your email platform, right? If you're using something like Gmail or Yahoo or Hotmail or something like that, um, uh, certainly those are not HIPAA compliant by nature. So in my opinion, it depends on your level of risk or your tolerance for risk. If you want to be really careful, then use something HIPAA compliant, use something like Hushmail or um, get a BAA signed with your email provider um, because otherwise certainly they can, they can have access to some of your, your PHI as it were. Um, so I think you have to be careful with that. Otherwise, if you have a secure platform, then you can communicate with them. Um, again, you, you guys should have systems like this in place for your practice, you know, coronavirus or not. Um, 
So whether that's again, simple practice, sending paperwork that way, or something like Spruce communicating compliantly uh, that, that way or confidentially that way, you should have something like that in place. And if not, now is a good a time as ever to strengthen up your kind of policies, procedures, and systems. Hmm. I might add to that too, that a lot of folks that I work with are using a system called intake queue to send intake paperwork back and forth. And it collects, it is HIPAA compliant. It collects uh, valid e-signatures uh, and it's relatively inexpensive. So I'll drop that link in the chat. If anybody wants to check that out, that's not an affiliate link or anything. It's just a, a cool, cool service that we use in our practice too. All right, a couple more. Oh, just as I think we're cleaning them up, we got more. Uh, Diane is asking, if we take on a new client for anxiety specifically re related to the coronavirus, do we need to do a full intake? And what CPT would we use, crisis code or regular? I'm stumped. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the first time that you see a new client, it's an intake code. So I... Do you need to do a full intake? That's kind of, that's up to you as to how, you know, how many areas you're going to cover. I don't know if you dig into family medical history and all that, you know, but that's up to you as far as the content of the session. But yeah, you would still use that intake code, which is 90791. Um, the crisis code is really reserved for those sessions. They would be ongoing sessions where, you know, if the client is really freaking out and, and just cannot leave within that session boundary that hour, then you would throw that crisis code in there um, to account for that. I would be so screwed without you, Jeremy. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. You probably hear that all the time in life. It's, I'm not even going to go there, but I yeah, mean in life sure. all the time, uh, <laughs> but especially right now in this Q and a call. <laughs> nice. I'll take it. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on here before I get too silly because that's always a risk. Um, ben, our friend Ben, getting extra sleep over there, says, I've signed up for several online therapy communities. What other ways can me and my one employee get referrals for online therapy? Hmm. Well, again, I think, you know, look at what you currently have in your, your marketing. I also, I will also say there's plenty of therapists who are referring out right now or who are full with online therapy clients. Um, I think a lot of referrals are kind of being passed around through referral or through recommendation. Um, so, you know, do I think that right now is the, um, is the time to, you know, launch a totally new marketing campaign just for this or just for coronavirus? I, I don't know. It, it, it kind of depends on how long this goes for, you know, again, I don't want anyone to just be scrambling. So I think in, in any sort of marketing and any sort of product or offering or service, start with what you know, start with who you know, and your current network, email list, followers, what have you, um, and, and go from there. Any other thoughts, Jeremy? The only thing, and this may, you know, Ben, you maybe have already done this, but the we have an online therapy community Facebook group in our, just our local area. And I know that a lot of folks are making it very clear that they're taking online referrals there. So if you have something like that, it's always worth exploring. Because again, those are likely warm connections. Yeah, really good question. Um, let's go to Grace's question. And this is the last one we have right now. Um, 
All right. Grace says, I'm a play therapist and schools are closed for the next two weeks, but it could be much longer. I provide play therapy in the office and parent coaching online. We are not seeing kids for the next two weeks, but unsure what it looks like moving forward. Should I just provide parent coaching services online? Um, well, you and Tara Egan uh, should connect. Uh, if you haven't already met Tara, uh, she's in Charlotte. Um, and uh, she works with parents. So what I would say is, yeah, I mean, you just have to work with what you've got. And if all you can do right now is parent coaching services, um, then go with it, right? It's certainly better than having no clients at all. Um, yeah, if you can't risk seeing those kids in person, then the answer is kind of there for you. The other thing that I've kind of thought about is, um, or just thinking out loud right now is, those parents are needing a lot of help right now too, right? A lot of them with kids being out of school for the foreseeable future or till May for some. Uh, I've heard of some schools closing for the rest of the year and standardized tests being closed or being canceled. Um, those parents are needing help. Those parents are needing help providing structure to their kids, activities, activity ideas. You could offer you know, therapeutic activities for the parents to do with the kids. I mean, I, I think you have a lot of options here, right? In terms of supporting families, in terms of maybe even getting new clients or working with new, new, you know, parent clients right now during this time because of uh, the added stress of what's going on. Jeremy, any other thoughts? Do you guys work with kids as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would echo everything you just said. I was thinking um, this is actually a perfect time to do parent coaching because parents are home and likely kind of stressed out with their kids if they're anything like me. So I think there is a big market for that. Um, I have read some guidelines, Grace, around, um, you know, if your kid is younger than 10, then it's probably a good idea to just move to parent coaching for those sessions. Um, but on the flip side, I just saw a resource this morning um, from our friend Allison Pereer, did a podcast on how to do play therapy online. So that is out there as well. And we can track down that link and probably drop it in the chat as well. So yeah. um, you may good check point. that out and see if there's good content there. Um, um, Laura just did me a huge favor and, uh, she's working fast. She just started a group for us, um, called COVID-19 coronavirus planning for therapists in private practice. Um, I'm just realizing there's, we're just scratching the surface here in terms of navigating this together and working on it. So, um, let's, uh, Christina says, Laura is awesome. Yes, she is. Um, let's, let's hop in that group. Let's use it, you know, for the foreseeable future for this these related conversations around coronavirus. Um, let's also compile our resources into there. Again, the resource list that we created is just a start, but everything else, let's pile it in here to the Facebook group. Let's help each other. You know, tons of people are on Facebook right now, a lot of therapists and people are at home right now anyway. So let's go ahead and use that, um, that resource to to help each other. So again, uh, she dropped the link here. Um, and maybe another thing you can do, Laura, is if you can start collecting the links from the chat throughout this time, I know it's a lot, um, let's send an email to the group, um, to, to everyone you know listening right now, uh, later today with all the links that we can find. So we'll, we'll do that as well. See, we're figuring this out <laughs> together. It's all about figuring it out together. Um, all right, that was Grace's question. And in fact, that was the last question we have from the Q&A section. Um, if we're doing an hour, we got five minutes left to wrap it up or hear some of my, um, my best knock-knock jokes. It's really up to you guys. Um, what are we missing, Jeremy? Mm, good question. Um, 
thankfully Diane saved us with ideas for doing EMDR through oh, telehealth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's a tough question. Yeah. Are there, I am not an EMDR practitioner, John, I know you are, um, you may be able to come. I am. I mean, you know, again, I would just say like, if it's within your scope, you can do it again. I'm, I'm not going to like do a lot different clinically right now, just cause it's online or just cause the coronavirus right now. But if it's within your scope and if you know how to do EMDR through telehealth, go for it. Um, I know there are ways to do it. Um, I think a lot of EMDR practitioners do not do it because it's a bit harder. You also have to think about a client getting quite dysregulated um, uh, via telehealth or if the connection goes out or something like that. So uh, the short answer is I don't know. I would honestly, I would, um, I would connect with a, um, uh, I would connect with a, an EMDR approved like supervisor or whatever they're called. Um, there's also really good EMDR groups, Facebook groups online for, uh, um, for EMDR in particular, I'd probably go there. It's probably, yeah. Short answer is, um, not the best question for Jeremy and I, but there's definitely people out there that can answer. Um, we do have one answer that says a therapist says, uh, I, I've used virtual EMDR on my platform and it has worked well. So you got one person that's using it. <laughs> All right. Um, so we got a few, we got three minutes left, guys. Um, again, what, what I want to say is um, just to wrap things up and bring us back to the very beginning. Um, you know, we're we're assuming right now that this is a short term crisis. A crisis um, never lasts forever, right? And this is a crisis of sorts. So um, it's all going to start with you establishing your priorities and creating a plan around that, uh, around those priorities, right? Some in some points, your hand may be forced in terms of quarantine or lockdown, things like that. Um, and other times, you know, I think create some contingency, create some contingency plans uh, around you, your practice, your clients, etc., and just be willing to alter that plan potentially every day. Again, I talked about this at the beginning, but in terms of priorities, think about things like your health and your family's health, um, your clinician's health, your client's health. And I would say last, your personal finances, your business finances, those things will recover. Um, I, I know it's going to be a stressful time if it isn't already, but um, yeah, come back to your priorities. Um, work through some contingency plans, rely on other therapists, and uh, we will all get through this together. Amy is asking, will you be offering another webinar in a few weeks? If you ask me really, 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 really nicely, I just might do it because i I can probably find the time and I bet Jeremy could too, but I'm not going to obligate him um, to be determined guys. I wanted to do this this week because it seems like a lot is changing fast. Um, if we do another one, you will hear, uh, you'll hear from me. Uh, if you're on my email list, you'll, you'll hear from me through my email list. Uh, Laura also says she, expect an email later today with the link to the recording and links to the resources we shared in this call. She's also reminding you of the Facebook group that she just created during this call. If you're listening to this somewhere else or in a replay, um, uh, then again, uh, look for those links um, uh, elsewhere or look for those links in the notes of wherever you're, you're listening. Jeremy, what, what final advice do you have for folks? Any uh, imparting words for us? Yeah, th this is very topical for me, but on the way to work this morning, I, you know, I'm a podcast listener like a lot of us and I, have this feed of podcasts that, you know, there are physicians, there's news, there's all sorts of options to listen to, like basically how 
airy this is, but the one that I chose was a podcast with Tim Ferriss and Jack Cornfield, who is a well-known meditation teacher and psychologist. And it's just a nice reminder to stay grounded as much as you can. Like this too shall pass. There are opportunities here if you can see them and it's maybe not as bad as we want to make it. So uh, that was just a nice energy for me coming nice. to work this morning. And that, that's where I'm at as, nice. as we do this call. So I'll just offer that. Very good. That's a great note to end on. Very, very positive. Um, there you have it, folks, man, we're pretty good right on the hour. So there you have it. Um, I hope this was helpful, guys. Again, um, you'll get an email soon uh, with the replay to this. Feel free to share um, a link to the replay with other um with other therapists who, who would benefit from this conversation. If we do it again in a week or so, we will obviously let you know, but um, we, we're here for you. Um, we're happy to help and we'll get through this together. So um, there you have it, folks. Thank you again so much for coming. Good luck out there. Stay safe. Um, take care of yourselves and um, we will talk to you very soon. Cheers, guys. See ya. Thanks. Okay, folks, there you have it. I hope you got a lot out of this special episode, this live Q&A uh, with Dr. Jeremy Sharp. Again, um, if you want to grab our resource list, just uh, grab that link in the description. Um, if you want to check out any other resources that we may have mentioned, we'll put as many links as possible in the show notes here. And again, uh, make sure you grab that resource resource list so that you can stay tuned as to any future Q&A calls that we do uh, for free for you all. Um, uh, with that being said, if you think this episode or this Q&A or anything we're doing would help other therapists that you know, please take the time now to pass uh, this resource along to them uh, so that they can get the same, the same help right now. Okay, um, that's it for now, folks. Stay tuned. We'll, we'll definitely be back um, at minimum by next Wednesday um, for this coming Wednesday for another um, uh, um, another uh, podcast episode as usual, or potentially another special episode. I'm not sure, but at minimum, you'll see us again on Wednesday here, same time, same place. Otherwise, stay tuned and you can pretty much find us anywhere uh, right now. So um, that's it for now. Have a good week. Hang in there and uh, I'll talk to you really soon. Bye.